We are in a series called Source Code, and we're talking about the Bible in this series. And in part one of this series, we, we delved into the idea of what's the, Bi- what's the Bible all about? What is the Bible all about in one phrase, in one sentence, in one word? And in one word, we all discovered this a couple weeks ago, it is all about Jesus. He is the true and better in all the Old Testament, and he is the coming king of the New Testament. And so we discussed that in part one of Source Code. We discussed a couple of weeks ago about that you need the Holy Spirit to understand the Bible. The Bible was written by men inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit inspired men to write it, He can inspire you to read it. We all talked about this. You need to receive the Holy Spirit before you read the Bible. Very good idea. Sit down and say, Holy Spirit, I receive you by faith, and I ask you to speak to me through the Word of God. It'll change how you approach the Bible. We're going to continue the series today, and today we are talking about the sword of the Spirit. One of the types of literature in the Bible that it refers to itself as is a sword. It's called the bread of life, water from heaven. It's called, I'm sorry, I had that backwards, water of life, bread from heaven. Uh, It's called the living word. It's called a hammer in Jeremiah. It's called a fire in Jeremiah. The word of God is called all these different types and objects as a metaphor to describe what it does. One of the most powerful metaphors of the Bible in the Bible to refer to the word of God is this. It's the sword of the spirit. It is our offensive weapon in our battle with sin, temptation, and Satan. And so if you have your Bible, I want you to open up with me or your smartphone. First, you're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. Then we're going to go to Matthew 4. Ephesians 6 is going to be on the screen. Matthew 4 will not be on the screen. We don't put all of our text on the screen because we want to encourage you to come and bring your Bible. If you have our iPhone app, Waters Church app, you can go there now and you can download or get on our live event and those will be ready for you. A uh, full set of notes for you there. If you have your paper notes, take those out. We want to invest in your eternal future. And when we do the Word of God, when we talk about the Word of God, we encourage you, engage, write notes down, listen, not just with your ears, but with your heart, with your hands, get it in you, because this Word has the power to save your life and empower your spirit. All right, we want to say a welcome to our Taunton campus who watches these videos uh, every single week. Hello, Taunton. Welcome on in, everybody in North Attleboro. That's right, you know what to do. Good to see you guys. I haven't been here for a couple of weeks. My name is Tim, just in case you don't know. I'm the campus pastor here at Waters Church, North Attleboro. One church in three locations, Norwood, North Attleboro, and Taunton, who watches by video. We are at war. I'm not talking about Afghanistan. I'm talking about right here, right now. I'm not talking about the culture wars either, so let's just shelve that for a minute. I'm talking about the war within all of us. The enemy is all around us. This is a war to the death. You will either lose your life Jesus' way, or you'll lose your life the devil's way, because he's real, and he's out there, and he wants to destroy you. He wants to kill your family, your dreams, your righteousness, your, light, your future. He wants you to sell it all for one stupid mistake. We are at war. 
That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6. If you're there, look with me at verse 12. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, before we go any further, I want you to underline flesh and blood. This battle is not against people. People are not the enemy. Somebody say it with me. People are not the enemy. You sitting next to somebody, you think they're the enemy. I want you to turn to them right now. Just, even if you don't think so, just turn to them right now and say, you're not my enemy. Marital counseling is happening right now. Praise God. It's not people, Paul says. It's against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Now let me stop there. There are many people who do not believe in evil. They don't believe in Satan. They say, ah, oh, Satan, he's just a myth made up by the church to scare us into obeying God or doing their, following their rules. And I want to say that you disbelieve in Satan to your own personal detriment. You, you disbelieve in him? Guess what? He loves that. He's like, yeah, he doesn't even realize that I'm just wrecking with his life and he's playing with his mom and his dad and his aunt and his uncle, but it's me and he doesn't even bother with me because he doesn't even think I'm real. That's what Satan does. And, and you, you disbelieve or you are ignorant of his schemes to your own demise and defeat. Paul says, make no mistake, Satan's real. Make no mistake, it's not just Satan. It's not just one little, you know, demon running around the world. There's forces, uh, cosmic powers, rulers, principalities, tons of demonic activity all around us. And, and we are in this battle for our soul against these spiritual forces of wickedness who want to destroy us. It's not people. It's the principalities of this dark world. But I got good news for you. We're not helpless. We got weapons. They aren't guns. They aren't knives. They aren't nunchucks, although that would be cool. The weapons, it says this, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Now, now, here's the reality for many of you. Many of you are just slacking off with your walk with God because you haven't faced an evil day in a while. It's been smooth sailing for a few months. Guess what's happening right now? The devil's lieutenants are all working out a good scheme for you. You need to be aware of this because he loves to let it slide for a few months, and then he will just come in like a flood, boom, and hit you on the worst day possible. So you need to understand, he's saying, do this now so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be ready. Don't slack off in your walk with God. Be ready. And then it says this, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, verse 16, in all circumstances, somebody say those three words with me, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, take up the helmet of salvation, and here's the last one that we're going to talk about today, and the sword of the Spirit which is the Word of God. 
Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that your spirit will speak to our hearts and your word will change our minds, renew us. Lord, the medium is not the issue. The message is. Change lives, touch hearts, redeem us, restore us, renew us, empower us through your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And when you think of a sword, what do you think of? I know what you think of. I think of this. I think of the Excalibur. How many know what I'm talking about? Lancelot, Camelot, and all the other lots. And you think about that long sword that he had to pull from the stone and had to be this chosen man. And it's this glorious, shining, metallic, you know, sword. And, and, and would it be interesting to know that the Bible here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, when it talks about the sword of the Spirit, it's not talking about this long, glorious sword. It's actually a different word in the Greek than the Greek word for a long sword. The word for long sword is rhombia, and the word here for sword is machaira, and that word could be better translated dagger. Now you say, well, why didn't they just put the dagger of the spirit? Because it doesn't sound as good. <laughs> the sword is much more threatening. But I bring this up because the word of God is, is like a dagger, and, and, and here's the difference. You know, you, you fight with a long sword, and it's just basically, you know, just swinging around like, yeah, ah, you know, run into the army, just start swinging, and hopefully you hit something. With a dagger, you have to get skillful. You have to get close. You have to, you have to duck, dive, dodge, and dodge. <laughs> and you have to get close to your enemy and skillfully use that dagger to get your enemy at his weakest point. Point. Here's what I'm saying. A lot of Christians think like this with the Bible. Well, I, I just, I'll just barely know what it says. I'll listen to whatever the pastor says on Sunday. I'll put it down for the rest of the week. And then when Satan's attacks come, I'll just be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you never win because you don't know the Word of God. You are not very familiar with it. It's, you, you have to be tactical and specific and strategic because the devil will have a field day with anybody who doesn't understand what is in this book. So you got to know it to win the battle. It is the sword or your, the dagger of the spirit. How did Jesus win his battle with Satan? Matthew chapter 4, the temptation. Jesus in the wilderness, what did he do? Satan comes and tempts him. What does Jesus say? It is written. What is he saying? He's quoting what's written in the Bible. Satan comes with three different temptations. Look, he, he tempted him for 40 days and 40 nights. He didn't just tempt him three times. But he tempted him over and over and over again. And every time the devil came, Jesus, it is written. It is written. It is written. Just, just, you know, skillful, like a, like a dagger-wielding soldier, and he was victorious. Guess what? You can be just as victorious, because Jesus has laid it down for your life to be victorious over the enemy. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. All you need to know is what's true about you in this book, and you will have victory in the world, no matter what the devil throws at you. Have you ever stopped short of doing something stupid? <laughs> you know, you are about to make a very, very bad decision and you just, Rrr! what stopped you? I know what stopped you. 
You didn't have a change of feeling. You had a change of thinking. I like to call it game-changing information. That you were driving down the highway, maybe even on the way to church tonight, and you were flying, and suddenly you saw one of those big signs. I hate them. And it says, speed limit, and, and it's not just that one. No, no, not that one. The one that I hate is speed limit this, and then your speed. <laughs> How many hate that sign? I hate that sign with a patch. I want to throw a rock at it every time I see it. Because I'm always off the chain with that sign. I'm way over. And uh, what happens is, though, it gets me to slow down. I've just received game-changing information. Take foot off gas, put foot on brake. Game-changing information. You were about to buy something on the internet. Anybody buy stuff on Amazon.com or other, other websites out there and, and you're thinking, yeah, I need this. And, and how many know that the more you look at what you want to buy, the more you want to buy what you're looking at? And you look at it and you think about it. I need that, I need that, I need that. And you're thinking about, oh, yeah, I could do this with it, that with it. And then what you do, if you're smart, you read the reviews, customer reviews. And you see like one and a half stars. Uh-oh. <laughs> 45 reviews. This can't be good. And you start to read the reviews. It broke my first day of having it. It doesn't do what it promised it would do. How many have done that? And, and you've just spared yourself a huge mistake. This is why I love online shopping because I can spare myself a lot of bad choices. What, what did I receive? I received game-changing information. It changed the game. Now, I, the other day, I got some game-changing information. It wasn't speeding or anything like that. I was about to have dinner with my family, and my wife sent me off on an errand to pick up something for the spaghetti sauce. And so I go down the road, and I'm starving. It had been a long day, long day. And I am just hungry. My stomach is turning in my, in, in my insides, and, and I just, I see this sign, Burger King. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I know dinner's like 15 minutes away, but ah, I could really go for a appetizer. And so I pull into Burger King, go around the drive-thru, and put my brake on, stop right there with the menu facing me, and the woman says, I, help you? I mean, you know how that happens. And, and I'm like, okay, just give me a minute, and I'm looking, and I knew what I wanted to get when I pulled in, because that's how it works with fast food. You know what you really want. And so I didn't even have to really look at the menu, but I did. Thank God I did. Because I looked at the menu, saw double cheeseburger. That was my item of choice. 129. I'm like, bingo. Right price, right product. I don't need any customer reviews. I know I need this. And, and I don't know if they've made this a law. I think they should. I don't know if you've seen this. Maybe it's just Burger King. I don't know. I don't go to fast food that often. But they have put the product and the price on the menu, and they've added something. They've added below the price the number of calories in the item. <laughs> I looked at, this was not the double quarter pounder, people. This was that little, you know, diskette thing that they pass off as a burger to you. They put two on the top of each other with cheese in the middle, and it's enough. 450 calories. I'm like, I know how much time that is on the treadmill. <laughs> and I took my foot off the brake, put my foot on the gas, and just beat it out. The lady was like, can I help you? You know, she was gone. I mean, 
That was game-changing information. Here's what I deduced with what I had learned. The momentary taste was not going to be worth the long-lasting effects. And that's what you need to understand about sin. And that's what you need to understand about the Bible, because here's what the Bible is. The Bible is game-changing information. The Bible opens your eyes. That's why the Bible calls itself a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It illuminates darkness. It shows us what it really is. And it gives us examples of what has happened when people bit the double cheeseburger of their life. And you read the Bible. Here's why you need to know the Bible. Here's why you need to love the Bible. Here's why you need to study the Bible. Here's why you need to be full of the Bible. Because this book will keep you from making huge mistakes in your life. Do you know that the devil has a book? The book has your name on it. It's on, it's on his bookshelf. And there's one for me. Do you know what's in that book? All the stuff that the devil has been studying about me since I was born. Even before I was born. He's been looking at my dad's tendencies, my mom's tendencies. He's been deducing since I was zero. This is what I know is going to trip Tim Hatch up. And he's been doing rewrites all through high school. All through high school, rewrites, okay, that's not working. Here we go, this is working. And, and then college days, okay, rewrite here, new things, new angle. Okay, now he's pastoring. Okay, now this is a new thing. And if we get him here, it's going to not only just destroy him, his family, his wife, the church, everything. And he's got this book on me. Guess what? He's got a book on you. Your book's different than my book. And he knows you. He's been studying you. He's got certain, I believe that Satan's army is very, very tactical and organized. And they have got books and volumes written on all of your desires and all of your inclinations and all of your, your tendencies. And so he knows just how to attack you at just the right moment. Here's what Peter said. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, and look at the, notice the hunting terms. Prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. He knows you. Have you ever thought about this? You are being hunted right now. You ever think about that? That'll wake you up in the morning. You are being hunted. And I think that Satan has a trophy case in hell. With, with the heads of people that have fallen for his stupid ideas. You know some of them. Some of them, are, they're your parents. Some of them, they're your ex, ex, ex-wife, ex-husband. Some of them are your children. Uh, most of them right now are your teenagers. <laughs> but you're just, they're just falling after Fallen after fallen for stupid lie from the enemy because he is out there. He is hunting you. And let me tell you something. Here's his favorite sport. Fishing. He loves to fish. 
Here's what Satan does. He says, ah, I know what you like. You like worms. I got a gummy worm. That's all I got. <laughs> I have this thing with my hands. I can't touch real worms. <laughs> oh, I've gone fishing and looked stupid many times. But <laughs> here's, here's what the devil does. He just puts that bait on that hook, and he just dangles it. <laughs> Come on. Anybody at Waters Church want a gummy worm? <sighs> it's sweet. It's delicious. Almost no calories. We have 40 of them. Wonder why we can't lose weight. All right. That's, that's what the devil Now, the devil will tempt you. And then you won't fall for it sometimes. What does he do? Does he pack up his tackle box and go home? No. No, 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 no. Here's what the devil does. The devil takes that worm off the hook. And I guess you just don't want manhandled worms anyway, so... I got a $100 bill right here. Aha! Now I'm singing your language, aren't I? Ha, 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 ha. And he just puts that out in front of you, and he just is coming. Oh, it's real. It's real. We only offer real temptations at Waters Church now. <laughs> he just dangles that out in front of you. Come on, a little bit more. Little bit. I can't believe nobody's getting out of their seat. You do not want to look like a... You do not, look, this guy right here is about to come on up here. And he just dangles and he says, look, why are you wasting your time at church? You could be making some of this. Church takes this. They take this. Don't you understand? And then, you know, whatever it is. He'll just bait that hook until you, until you bite. He'll just go back and forth. And he will not lay off. And let's be honest. This is America. <laughs> this is not some third world country where we're short on temptations, is it? Is it? No, we're, we're surrounded. Here's what I think it's really like for most of us, that this is our reality every single day of our lives and everywhere we turn. There's something around us trying to get us to bite, right? Why do I suddenly feel like I'm watching Super Bowl commercials? <laughs> Come on, somebody. This is what it's like in America because it's just never ending, and it's all over the place, temptation everywhere in your life. And, and I want... I want you to think about this very clearly. I need you to see this. Because Satan loves to bait your hook. But this book will keep you off the hook. Or this hook will keep you out of this book. You are being hunted every day, every hour. And as soon as, as soon as you get over one thing, there's another one. <laughs> it never stops. So you got to get into the Word of God. What, what are we going to do? We're being hunted. What are we going to do? Here's, here's what some people do. Here's what some people do. Some people do this. Christians do this. Churches do this. 
I know the world's out there, so here's what we, we should just avoid the world. Let's just go in our little Christian communes. Let's get alone. Let's not let anybody in who's not a believer, and let's just avoid them altogether. There was a group in Jesus' day, they were called the Essenes. And they went and dug a hole and hidden it, and they had caves all underground. We actually discovered some scriptures from them in the 1940s, if you remember the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they would just go off in their little Christian, or not Christian, but Jewish communes and just avoid all contact from the world. We do the same thing because we think that's going to keep us from temptation. So we'll get alone in our little Christian communes and we'll think, yeah, now we're really spiritual because we're all Christian. And then pretty soon there's pride. And then there's gluttony because that's not something that we talk about in church. Well, we talk about sex, we talk about lust, we talk about gluttony, no problem. No problem. <laughs> and, then, and it doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work as much as you want to avoid. I think about this. Jesus, in Matthew 4, was tempted. Where was he? He was in the wilderness. You don't get much further from the world than that. And the temptation was there. You don't think the devil doesn't come to our church? He's probably sitting right here listening. He's probably taking notes, which is why you should. <laughs> he, he's just listening so that he can work you over for the next week. And some people say, I, I know what it is. I know what we need to do. We need rules. Rules are everything. Uh, how do you do this? How do you do that? Don't look here. Don't touch that. Don't taste that. Don't do this. Don't drink. Don't smoke. Don't chew. Don't go with girls who do. All these rules. Do the rules work? No, because that's what the Pharisees had, 632 rules. They had 39 rules just for the Sabbath day alone. Talk about a headache. Do rules change anybody? <laughs> no. We know that because we've got the Old Testament example after example after example of how the rules just do not change the human heart. Here's what works, this. And it's not rules. It's principles. It's examples. It's guidelines to show you if you eat it, if you love it, if you do it, it's going to empower you, strengthen you, push you forward in the victory that Christ came to give you. Put your hope in the word of God, the sword of the spirit. Here's what it says in Colossians, these rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide, what's the next two words? They provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. There is no other way to stay off Satan's hook than to have your heart full of God's holy book. Maybe I need to rhyme that. <laughs> All right. There's no other way. Satan came to Jesus in the wilderness, and he tempted him. And every single time, Jesus said, it is written, it is written, it is written. I think about this. Jesus is the Son of God. He's got angels on retainer. <laughs> he could call them at any time. And how does he fight Satan? With angels? No. With the Word of God. And, and he spoke it out. Anyone. Some of you, it is just time to read 
your Bible. Turn off the television. Turn off your favorite show. You have a DVR, don't you? Just watch it later. <laughs> Read it. Get into it every day. Listen, I'm trying to help you. Not, I don't want you to feel guilty. I'm talking about empowerment. I'm talking about life. I'm talking about victory. Don't you want those things? Get into this word. It'll rock your world. It'll change your life because it helps you see behind the lies of Satan. It, it, it shows you Samson. Strong man brought down by his own lust. What does that tell me? It tells me no matter how strong I think I am, there's still a weakness in me. I need to depend on God's word. It'll tell you about Solomon, the wisest, richest king that ever lived. Some of you are so hung up on this idea that just a little more money will make me happy, will do it all for me. And Solomon comes along and he writes this book, it's called Ecclesiastes, after his whole life was filled with all the riches you could possibly imagine. He had all the things you could want in life. And he writes this book at the end of his life called Ecclesiastes and he says, I had it all and it all was meaningless. That helps me get money in perspective. I don't know about you. You read about David, how he had won every battle that he ever fought, but the one time that he doesn't go out to fight, there's Bathsheba waiting for him. What does that tell me? It tells me that the devil loves to wait until I'm not busy. And then he comes. It'll, it'll tell you about Sodom and Gomorrah and how when a nation turns on God, its end is near and close. It'll tell you about the Israelites in the desert and how they complained and complained and complained and complained and God struck them with plagues and boils and all these things and you've got to look at that and you've got to say, maybe I just need to be a little bit more happy. Because <laughs> that's what complaining gets me. It, it reveals the lie of Satan so that you stop making stupid decisions. It's game changing information. This book will keep you off Satan's hook, or Satan's hook will keep you out of this book. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this, these things. What things? All the stuff in the Old Testament. These things happened as a warning to us so that we would not crave evil things as they did. Verse 11, these things happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live in the age, or at the end of the age. So you read the Bible, you feed on it, and it strengthens your life. Three points, and then I'm done. That was my introduction. <laughs> Matthew chapter 4 now. Take out your Bibles and read along with me. Uh, Matthew chapter 4. You've got to feed on God's Word. That's point number one, but here's how Jesus did it. Because if we want to know how to do it, we've got to follow Jesus. He's the example. It says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2. After 40 days of fasting, he was hungry. Like the most obvious scripture in the world right there. <laughs> and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. We're probably familiar with this temptation. 
I want you to notice a couple things about it. First off, Jesus has just been baptized and declared to be God's son. At baptism, comes out of the water, what happens? God's voice, this is my beloved son with whom I will please. Listen to him. At that moment, the spirit comes upon him and leads him into the wilderness to be tempted. Right after the blessing comes the testing. You need to understand that the devil loves it when you are living high on life and you feel invincible. That's what, those are his favorite moments for you. Come right after the blessing. And secondly, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and he's legitimately hungry. You know, some of our, some of our needs are legitimate. Some of our temptations to have things are legitimate, but they are illegitimate means to meet legitimate needs. And now I want to ask you a very obvious question. Could Jesus have turned these stones into bread? Hello? Okay, you're worrying me there. Because <laughs> he turns water into wine later. All right, could Jesus have done that? Yes. Is bread sinful? No. What's the temptation? Here's the temptation. Satan comes into the wilderness. After just being declared God's son, he looks at Jesus and he says, this is what being God's son gets you? 40 days of wilderness wandering? You're hungry. If you were my son, I'd feed you. And here's Satan's number one lie in all of our lives. Are you ready? You deserve better. Come on, somebody. So this is what being a Christian gets you? I thought God loved you. So, so this is how God treats his child. He lets this person die. He has this financial collapse. Is that how God treats you? You deserve better. You deserve a better house, better, better spouse, better, better life, better income, whatever it is. And the temptation is to do something about it for yourself. YOLO. Who knows what that means? You're under 18. Okay. <laughs> YOLO. You only live once. This is a huge hit for the teens right now. Guess what? It's a lie. You only live twice. <laughs> it's true. And what you do with the first life is paid back to you in the second life. So don't be stupid. Listen to God. Don't listen to the devil. Do you deserve better? No, you deserve hell. Everything that you have done in your life that has been sinful deserves punishment. God took your punishment and he put it on Jesus and he set you free and put Jesus to death for you. You deserve hell. Everything that you have in life is grace, grace, grace from a great and awesome God who loves you and cares about you. I'll let the devil tell you. I'll let the devil tell you you deserve better. I mean, life gets better with Jesus. But sometimes you go through the wilderness. Hello? Sometimes you go through hell, and you are a Christian. And you need to stop blaming God and start saying, Lord, I trust you. What does Jesus say? It is written. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes... From the mouth of God. Satan, 
I put my trust in this. Get lost. You got time for two more? Anybody got to go? You better not say yes. <laughs> number two, number two, be discerning. Be discerning of the word. The devil loves the Bible. Did you know this? Look at the next temptation with me. Verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are God's son, throw yourself down for it is written. Listen to what the devil's doing now. What's the devil doing? He's quoting the scriptures. It is written. He will command his angels concerning you and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Seems like, I see that you like the Bible. I like the Bible too. Here's what the Bible says. And there are scores of Christians, maybe here. You're, you're living completely backwards from God's word because you listen to someone who doesn't have a vested interest in your spiritual growth on television. And they speak in the name of Jesus. And you say, well, he's on TV. He must be right. And, and, and you've got to be careful. I'm not saying they're all bad, and I'm not saying that they're all good. I'm saying get smart. Get smart. Be discerning. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Sniff it out. That's a half-truth. Because this is what most of the guys on television have to tell you. This is what they have to tell you. I'll tell you why they have to tell you. They have to tell you, God wants to bless you. And the reason why they have to tell you that is because they need you to give the money to get the blessing for you. Why do they need the money? Does anybody know? Because they're on TV. <laughs> it's not hard. And I'm not saying, again, listen to me very carefully. There's some good ones on TV. They're not all bad. But there was a pastor in San Francisco in the 1970s. He had a job placement clinic. He had an indoor heated swimming pool for his inner city kids. He preached powerfully. He cast out demons. He led this church to over a thousand attendees in the city of San Francisco in the 1970s. He helped underprivileged children. He inspired hope. Walter Mondale, vice president of the United States at the time, said that he was an inspiration to everybody. He visited shut-ins. He went to the prisons. He started a health clinic. He provided free legal aid. He founded a community center. And in 1970, he took his congregation into the jungles of Guyana. And he had them all drink cyanide-laced Kool-Aid, including 200 children. And they all died the hideous death. His name was Jim Jones. Don't just receive Somebody says something, well, you know the Bible says. Are you sure? This is why I tell you to bring your Bible. Because <laughs> even with me, someday I, I, I'm tempted. I'm tempted. I'm just going to jack you over for an entire service. <laughs> I'm just going to talk all this rubbish for 45 minutes. And then say, if you had had your Bibles, you would know everything I'm saying is a lie. So the Bible says, beloved, beloved, verse John 4, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. You've got to be smart. 
Satan comes and says, I know the Bible too, Jesus. Here's how I see it. You throw yourself down, God's going to protect you. Jesus says, I've read that passage too. That's not what it's saying. Don't put, your, don't put the Lord your God to the test. That's what it says. Amen, somebody? One more. No, 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 one more point. But thank you. <laughs> Number three. <laughs> Be ever growing in the word. Be ever growing, ever growing in the word. Do you know that I still sit down sometimes and I study for these messages and I say, oh, I never saw that. This book is so deep. The, you try to plumb the depths of it and, it and you still can pull out stuff that you never saw before and you had read the passage a hundred times. Do you know why? Because it was written by God. And he's kind of deep. <laughs> so you've got to grow. You've you got to grow in it. Now, here's why. Look at what it says in verse 8 of Matthew 4. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. The devil is persistent to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. I want you to notice the progression of temptation. Follow with me. Temptation number one was in the desert. Temptation number two was in the pinnacle of the temple. Temptation number three was on a very high mountain watching all the kingdoms of the world. Temptation number one was about bread. Temptation number two is about miraculous provision. Temptation number three was for all the kingdoms of the world to be Jesus. Do you see how the devil always ups the ante? And just as you get over the one temptation and you think, I got it now, I got it, I'm good, I'm strong in the Lord, hallelujah, let's go to church. The devil comes and he says, <laughs> that ain't nothing. Wait till you see what I got for you tomorrow. If, if porn won't do it, how about a real live woman who's obsessed with you at work? If drinking one beer won't do it, how about a whole bunch of friends who are leading you toward alcoholism and addiction? If, if, if just one little lie won't do it, and one lie is never enough, how about a whole life filled with it? to protect your reputation. Over and over and over and over again, the devil is always rebating his hook, and he gets you. Just like he got me on my watch right here. <laughs> and he gets you. So what's the answer? Grow in your knowledge of the Word of God. Don't ever say, don't you ever I'm good. I've heard that one before. I've heard messages about temptation. I don't need to hear this. Arrogance. How many have ever seen The Devil's Advocate? You have to watch that movie. Please watch it on TNT when it's on TNT because there's a ton of swears on the real one. Anyway, <laughs> The Devil's Advocate. Satan's in this law firm in New York City. And he pulls this guy aside and he pumps him up with pride and he falls for it hook, line, and sinker. 
And he says, vanity is definitely my favorite sin. The Bible says that he who thinks he knows does not yet know as he ought to know. So if you think you've arrived, and you, most of you, I don't think that you've thought, I don't think that you think that. I don't think so. But I do think that there will be a point at which Satan will come and say, take it easy. <laughs> don't be so serious about all this. Take a week off. Take a month off. They'll still be there. <laughs> and you'll fall. And, and there's an old adage, the higher you climb, the farther you fall. Don't you think that the devil's after me? Don't you think that the devil's after you? And just when you think it's okay, he'll come. What does Jesus say? It is written. It is written. Somebody say that with me. It is written. I want you to notice two things that Jesus did, and then I'm going to close. Number one, he had the Bible in here. He didn't have to go, okay, wait a second, Satan. Wait a second, okay. One minute, give me a second. Wait a second, where's that index? Okay. <laughs> it was here. It was memorized. Are you memorizing the Bible? I can't memorize things. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. I will prove it. My son was five years old, the back of our car. We were driving. Out of nowhere, he goes, 800 588 Empire. <laughs> we all know that, don't we? You got to memorize it. Put it in here. I want to give you a website. Write it down. www.openbible.info slash topics. I know that's a hard one. I wish you could just be a dot com and leave it, but it's not. And you just type in whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're going through, just type in the search field there. It's up on the screen. And just type in, press enter, and you will get a boatload of Bible verses that are talking about the exact thing you just punched in. How many think that's going to be very helpful for you? Amen. Amen. Psalm 119, verse 11. Everybody got that? Everybody got that? openbible.info slash topics. I'll give it to you after if you don't have it. Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Have it here. But the second thing, now, don't check out on me here. Listen to this last point, and then we will close, I promise. He didn't just have it memorized, and he didn't know just what to say. He verbally said it. Do you realize the power of the word of God? That when you say it, Satan's like, ah, oh, shoot. He knows it and he's not afraid to use it. <laughs> it is the dagger that slices and dices and chops and chives everything that the devil throws at you so that you can win and be victorious. Isn't it about time that you win over that sin that has been holding you back for years? I don't know about you, but I've been watching these Olympics. I love them. I've come to one, one fundamentally amazing conclusion about the Olympics. 
it's much better if you win. <laughs> That's it. It is so wonderful when you win. How about spiritually? Do you want to win? Or do you want to be like this in heaven? Okay, Jesus, I'm just barely getting there. I want to walk in proud and happy. And I fought the fight. I ran the race. And I got the crown of righteousness that Jesus had stored up for me. Amen, somebody? Let's stand.